Be not afraid. But what if I can't find a job? Be not afraid. But what if someone breaks into our house? Be not afraid. But what if I am not enough? But what if? I am sure we can all fill in the blanks with our own what-if questions. Fear, worry, anxiety, they all have a way of creeping into our lives. Even as a child, I was very good at worrying and asking the what-if questions. My grandmother once told me a story of how she was caught in a tornado as a young girl in Texas. So I worried that I would get caught in a tornado in North Carolina. My elementary school sponsored a fire safety program when I was in second grade. So ironically enough, I then worried that my house would burn down. I'm sure my parents could tell you many more stories, but the fact is we live in a profoundly fearful world. The problem is we can't live without all types of fear. Fear can be necessary for our survival. When I go hiking and I get to the top of a mountain like McAfee's Knob, I have a fear of getting too close to the edge. I believe this is a healthy fear. It does not stop me from enjoying the view, but it ensures I can enjoy it again and again. But fear, worry, anxiety, they can be incapacitating. All you have to do is read the newspaper or watch the news in order to believe that staying home is the best option. Murders and wars affect people all around the world. No one seems quite sure what is happening to our economy, and gas prices rise and fall like the springtime temperatures. Every day we are asked to make sense of tragedy here and abroad. This gives new meaning to the words of Ralph Waldo Emerson's poem, Concord Hymn. Written to commemorate the completion of a monument in Concord, Massachusetts, following the American Revolution, the poem begins... By the rude bridge that arched the flood, their flag to April's breeze unfurled. Here once the embattled farmer stood and fired the shot heard round the world. Today, every tragedy has the potential to be the shot heard round the world. How are we supposed to overcome fear when we are continually bombarded by messages of conflict, insecurity, and death? From the many passages about fear, it is clear that God knows our tendency to worry. In Isaiah, God speaks to Israel saying, Do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. In Matthew, Jesus teaches, Do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. The fear of not finding food, shelter, and clothing is an all-too-real reality for many people. The problem is that many of us have these needs met, and yet we still worry. There are times that we have fear because our knowledge is incomplete. Unfortunately, we are not omniscient. We are not all-knowing. 
During my commute back and forth to school, I love to listen to the radio program This American Life. In a recent episode, author Ryan Knighton, who is almost completely blind except for a couple of smudges, playfully explained how his blindness led to a very distressing situation with his daughter. On one particular day, Ryan picked up his daughter from daycare at the university where he works, strapped her into his back carrier, and proceeded to walk across campus. As they were strolling along, his daughter suddenly said, Bear. Normally, we wouldn't think much about that. But Ryan and his family live in Canada, in a location where he could actually meet a bear face to face. Hearing the word bear from his daughter's lips, Ryan froze, both literally and figuratively. He began looking for a black smudge or anything that would indicate a bear. He even tried to smell for a bear, even though he acknowledged he didn't know what a bear would smell like. As he was looking, his daughter was becoming more and more upset and repeating, Bear! Bear! The uncertainty must have been overwhelming. He reached back and felt his daughter pointing behind him. So he turned and walked around this way and that, when it occurred to him that his daughter also had a stuffed animal that happened to be a teddy bear. Reaching back again, he discovered that, yes, she had dropped her teddy bear. Many times we cannot see all aspects of a situation, but faith in God is an alternative to living in fear because of the unknown. At other times, fear emerges because of a loss of control. Even though I am willing to get in an airplane, it is difficult for me to trust a pilot I have never met. I am asked to trust them to take a metal tube with wings, make it airborne, fly across the country, and safely land that metal tube back on the ground. Sometimes, however, our loss of control is much more profound. We experience sickness, and we lose trust in our bodies, or a significant relationship ends abruptly, either through conflict or death, or a decision made by someone we have never met causes us to lose our source of income. Loss of control is especially difficult in a society that prizes self-determination. Fear can also emerge out of a deep-seated insecurity. We act in ways that require others to affirm our validity. It is not bad, and it is, in fact, healthy to be affirmed by others. But when we find that we are changing our behaviors just to find that affirmation, it reveals that somewhere within us, we do not believe we are enough or worthy, worthy of the love of others or worthy of the love of God. As the people of God, we are given a commandment. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind, and you shall love your neighbor as yourself. However, if someone examined our lives from the outside, would they be able to see that we were living by that commandment? Or is it possible they would see that we would live by the commandment, safety first, or look out for number one, or perhaps better safe than sorry? Fear is at the root of all of these statements. Fear prevents us from fully living out God's commandment. The psalmist in Psalm 27 
exemplifies the struggle we have to maintain belief. He begins his song with a strong statement, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is a stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? This is easy to proclaim on the days when we feel close to God. But the bad days, they do come. The days when we do not feel heard or loved or protected, we plead, do not turn your servant away in anger. You who have been my help, do not cast me off. Do not forsake me, O God of my salvation. Do not give me up to the will of my adversaries, for false witnesses have risen against me, and they are breathing out violence. Letting go of our fears does not mean that hate, greed, despair, or sickness will disappear from our lives. However, letting go of our fears allows us to become a people of faith rather than a people of fear. The psalmist makes plain that as the seasons of our lives change, we are both We are both people of fear and people of faith. But the psalmist ends with a strong affirmation of faith and perhaps a little advice. I believe that I shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait for the Lord. Be strong. Let your heart take courage. Wait for the Lord. When we live in fear, it is difficult to envision a new reality, a more just and peaceful reality. A reality in which the kingdom of God is brought forth on this earth. Oppressed peoples throughout history have something to teach us about not living in fear. The Africans who were forced onto boats, forced to cross the Atlantic in horrific conditions, forced into servitude in a foreign land by a foreign people, were utterly compelled to believe in the reality of Jesus' vision for a new earth a new earth where the last shall be first. But they did not sit back and wait for the kingdom of God to be enacted. They took action. They asked and they sought. Jesus' words meant something to their everyday lives. It was not solely a future vision. It was a vision already in progress. We must also live in such a way that it is evident that Jesus' words are etched on our hearts. Today is the second Sunday in Lent, and Lent is a season in which we look inward. The season, this season is an opportunity to consider our relationship with God and to consider how that relationship affects our lives. The Lent season lasts for 40 days from Ash Wednesday to Holy Saturday, the day before Easter. The 40 days of Easter are, of Lent are meant to call to mind Jesus' 40 days in the wilderness. In this life, we all have times of wilderness. It is in these times that our fear may be the deepest. In this Lenten season, we reflect on Jesus' journey to the cross. But we also know that Jesus did not remain in the tomb. In our seasons of wilderness, when fear and worry seem to be in control, let us remember that in the end, the love of God will always overcome the fears of this world. Jesus provides us with a powerful image of the strength of his love. To the Pharisees delivering Herod's message, he laments, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. 
How often have I desired to gather your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. In Jewish tradition, many prophets were killed in Jerusalem, including Uriah, Zechariah, and perhaps even Isaiah. Those who were called to bring God's word to God's people were not popular religious figures. They were not heralded for the message they brought. In fact, they were persecuted. Jesus is proclaiming to the Pharisees that he still wants to gather the people of Jerusalem under his wings. The same Pharisees who Luke describes at the end of chapter 11 as lying in wait to catch him, to catch him in something he might say. The same Pharisees who have the most to lose in Jesus' new kingdom. I dare say Jesus would gather these Pharisees under his wings as well. Many times there is a point in which a child is ready to declare his or her independence. They want to peek out from under their guardian's wing so that they can see what the world has to offer. Jesus assures us that even even when we leave the protection of that wing, he is there waiting for us to return. He does not want us to feel abandoned. He does not want us to feel insufficient. He wants us to feel nurtured, whole, and loved. He wants this for us even when we do not want this for ourselves. We may throw stones at the love of God, but Jesus still wants us. As the psalmist asks and seeks to behold the beauty of God in the land of the living, let us ask and seek to be a people of faith rather than a people of fear. Be not afraid, for this day and always you are the beloved of God.